0: Acts 2.32 says, God has resurrected this Jesus. God has resurrected this Jesus. Say it again in case you didn't hear it the first two times. God has resurrected this Jesus. That right there, if we understood all that it means and all that it's about and all that it entails ought to make our soul leap, ought to make our spirit dance, ought to make a spring be in our step, or maybe a bend in our knee, that we are now realizing the full magnitude and the weight of everything that He went through, endured for us, taking Himself to the cross, allowing Himself to die, being raised by God in His strength and His power, and his love and his might for us to give us life again it was cruel it was brutal it was inhumane what he went through and if we could ponder that before we quickly come to the easter story it would do us so much greater it would take us to a to such a greater depth of appreciation of this moment and this day and this hour in which we come to celebrate because he took my shame. He took your shame. He took your guilt. He took my guilt. And He died for it. And as He lie there in the grave, some time passing, disciples demoralized, His mother bewildered, wondering what if, what's, what's happening, this is not what we intended it to be, and all of a sudden, His heart begins to beat again. And all of a sudden, blood begins to course through his veins again. And all of a sudden, those death clothes that were holding him down were no longer a shackle to him. And now he was overcoming death, hell, and the grave. And now he was bringing victory. I wonder sometimes, though, does the resurrection even rock us anymore? Has it even rocked us this year? Are we stirred? Are we motivated? Are we excited? Are we bored with the familiar? Or maybe we're blind to its ignorance. Maybe, maybe, maybe we're blind to what really happened on that day. And, we, and maybe, maybe today God will rock our world. Or maybe that boring feeling of a same old story will come alive again. And will truly rock us to the core of who we are. Body, soul, and spirit. Spirit. I wonder today if the most exciting thing that will happen this week, whenever you look back in history, the most exciting thing that will happen in 2010 on Easter weekend was the launching of the iPad. I wonder if that's what will take the the front pages of the stories. Or will it be lives changed because they looked into an empty tomb? Because they realize the, the, the full weight of what that meant in their life. It rocked many people's lives. As the resurrection rocked you in your life. I love when, when Paul is quoting almost as an anthem, almost as a song. And some people believe it's one of the first hymns ever written in the, in the New Testament and celebrated in the church was in First in, in, in Corinthians 15 when he says, Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who's given us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. you got to have that one in there as well. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, we have the victory. Has it rocked you? Does it stir you? I think back to Acts chapter 2. I know it's not in the gospel accounts. I know it's not exactly the, the the resurrection story that you might anticipate hearing. But it was in Acts chapter two when the Holy Spirit had come upon those early believers, and and it was the very first message given by the very, by the very first time ever given by a disciple of Christ following the anointing and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And oh, did it rock some world that day! Because if you think back in that in that first day, in that first few hours and just 50 days removed from the resurrection here and all of a sudden God's spirit comes and he began Peter begins to speak and and lives began to be be turned because some of these people were the very ones who were who were crying out to crucify Jesus that he was speaking to some of the very ones that were eyewitnesses they were firsthand accounts maybe they even laughed and mocked at Jesus and then here's Peter standing up before them, but this time it's different. Maybe of the, they maybe even they were part of the 500 that had even seen Jesus in his resurrection body. Maybe they witnessed him, but they, they weren't connecting uh, one plus two uh, equals three, or they, they, weren't, they weren't connecting the dots and making all the pictures. They didn't see their connection. They just thought, this is really weird. We killed this guy. And, and what's it? He's alive? And then they're just going about their business. They're in the middle of this big festival, the Feast of Weeks. It's the second of, it's two of three major Jewish festivals. And it's kind of a celebration, kind of a party in the city, if you will, as they celebrate the harvests. And they're all gathered there. Foreigners are coming. Jews from all over are coming to, to Jerusalem. And they're celebrating what was the celebration that was totally unrelated to Jesus' resurrection. But all of a sudden, listen, All of a sudden, there was an intersection in their life. They were going down the Feast of Weeks. They were doing their own celebration. They were having their own party. They were living their own life. But all of a sudden, the resurrection of which they had seen the resurrected Christ, of which they had heard that He was alive, but it meant nothing to them. It wasn't stirring them. It wasn't rocking them. Then all of a sudden, they came to an intersection. And when Peter spoke and the Spirit moved, all of a sudden, there was a collision with their life. And their lives were rocked. I want to ask you one more time. Has the resurrection rocked you? When it does, it will begin to shape you. In Acts chapter 2, verse 32, we catch just the tell end of the message that Peter is sharing. It begins back in verse 14. I just want to give you just the tell end of it. Because you see the full-on trinity at work here. The Trinity is God in three parts expressed in three different elements, but yet they're all one. You see Jesus in verse 32. In Jesus, God raised up. You see God the Father there doing the work of raising up Jesus and that we all are witnesses being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit. So right there you see the Trinity. Don't let anybody tell you the Trinity doesn't exist. It exists. He exists. And you see all three of the Trinity working in concert there. He was poured out on that day on you yourselves and seeing and hearing him. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at the right hand. God the Father speaking to God the Son, both of them calling each other lords. He says, You sit at my right hand until I make your enemies Your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. And the hammer falls. And it's at that point that this intersection, this colliding of of worldviews, this colliding of paths, of me living my party lifestyle, celebrating my Feast of Weeks, doing my own life, celebrating my own successes. Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll nod up to God in my Feast of Weeks, but I'm really celebrating my life and my successes and my accomplishments and how God blessed me, yes, in that. But all of a sudden it's not about your successes, your feast of weeks, your, your party lifestyle. It's about Jesus. And all of a sudden this intersection collides and we see something happen in these people and they begin to ask questions. Because this is what happens when the resurrection rocks you. You will begin to ask questions. Questions about yourself. Questions about your destiny. Questions about your course of life. Questions about your journey. Questions about where you're headed. But see, if you're here today, and this is just a religious ritual for you, you show up on Easter Sunday, or you're, you're here because family brought you, or you're here because but you really don't want to be here, and you just kind of going to go, that's okay, that's okay. Continue on that journey. But one of these days, my prayer to God is that the resurrection will rock you, and you'll begin to ask yourself some tough questions. Because if you read in verse 36, this is what happens when Peter... Uh, in verse 37, when Peter stops, he says, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart, and they said to Peter, the first words out of their mouth was this, and to the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? What shall we do? See, when the resurrection rocks you, you begin to ask questions. You'll begin to ask questions that are personal. What shall we do? What What am I, Mike McDaniel?" Going to do with the resurrection. Insert your name there. What are, what am I going to do? And it also leads to action. He's talking about there, what am I going to do? How am I going to respond? See, there's a response to the resurrection. If it's rocked you, there will be a response. I want you to see three results that come out of this. You see one of them already on the screen. It says, You will hear the resurrection with your heart, is one of the things that will happen in you. When the resurrection rocks you, you will begin to hear the resurrection with totally new sets of, 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 of high definition. Alright? A, a totally new perspective, you'll begin to hear it. Because again, how many of y'all, this is not the first time you've heard the resurrection story. Raise your hand. Come on, lift them up high. That's just about everybody. You've heard some parts of it at, see, at least some point in your life. Or you came for the candy. Or something like that. You've been bribed to come for the candy or something. I don't know. But we know the resurrection story. We could even tell the resurrection. We could go into our preschool classrooms next service and teach the resurrection story. We have been told it all of our life. We've grown up in church all of our life. Hey, this is the Bible bell. we If you've grown up in the South at all, you've been to church. But for some of you, maybe that's not the case, but I'm just interested for the large majority. But here's the question. Are you hearing it with your heart? I love the phrase there. They were cut to the heart. There was something that began to rock their world. There was something that that began to hear hear it totally different than ever before. And see, there's something that happens when the resurrection rocks you. And that is, is that you no longer... It goes beyond the cognitive. It goes beyond the mental academic exercise of understanding the facts and the figures of the resurrection. And giving a timeline... But it goes way beyond that, and it goes to the heart. And you begin to ask the question, what am I to do? What am I going to do with the resurrection? How is it going to change me? And see, that's something that any physician, any surgeon in this room would love to have a scalpel to be able to separate out what are soul issues and what are spirit issues and what are physical issues so when they cut out the cancer of our lives, they can pull the two out. But sometimes, you know, the doctors, they're, they're limited in what they can do. Psychologists, limited in what they can do. But what God is able to do is He is able to cut through all the minutia of our life and to cut to the dividing of the soul and the spirit. And He can point out our spirit that is sick. And He can point out our soul that is sick. And He can heal us and make us whole. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says this. It says, The Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow. And discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. God's truth, God's Word, God's Spirit at work through His Word is able to pierce into your life. And all of a sudden, boom, you come on one Easter Sunday and the resurrection rocks you. No more playing religious games. No more tipping your hat to God. It's now serious business. And you start asking the same questions that they're asking. What am I to do? It was in about 1993, about two years following the uh, fall of the communism in in the Ukraine, that I took my first international mission trip. Up until that point, I had no desire to go internationally, no desire to work internationally or anything like that. I was an American, born, bred, raised, Big Mac-eating American. That's all I was. And uh, all of a sudden, I had this opportunity to go to the Ukraine in the fall of communism and be a part of teaching in schools and in businesses and uh, all kinds of places. Just every, every place that would open up the doors, just they would allow us to come in. And the thing is, it was the week after Easter. So guess what we talked about for an entire week? to the science school, to the teaching school, to the nursing school, to the government offices, to the police station, everywhere we went, we went around. And again, communism had just fallen, and they didn't know which end was up at this point in the Ukraine. So we're sitting there, and we're teaching. And I can remember, this was a moment in my life that literally changed my perspective. As you know anything about Grace Point, we're about global missions. And this was one of those moments that changed me. And I was standing inside a teacher college of science teachers. And we had shared the resurrection story. And at the end of it, there was this one man standing against the wall. In fact, we have a picture of it here. It's a very poor quote, photo quality and, and so forth. I snapped it right when we're breaking from, from our discussions and from our talks on the resurrection. And the, the balding man, if you will, on the, on the far right there was a guy who spoke up during the class as the teachers are sitting there and we're able to just share with them the, the gospel and the story of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, it was this man who was on the far right who said, I am a communist leader. Basically, this is his statement. It says, I was born an atheist. I was raised an atheist. I was trained to be an atheist teacher. Today, because of your message, I believe in Jesus. Here's a man who grew up in a world... That there was no such thing as God or anything else. But here's a man in a matter of a few seconds. Because the resurrection rocked him, his life was changed. It can happen. You can go from a communist, atheist, trained teacher, training other communist, atheist teachers, to go from to being a follower of Jesus Christ when the resurrection rocks you. You hear the resurrection with your heart. Number two, you will respond to the resurrection with realignment. Now, I love, I love Peter's brevity of speech here. He gets straight to the point, when they ask this question, they say, okay, what are we to do? What are we going to do with this story that you told us? What are we going to do with this resurrection that you have so cut to our heart with this message? What are we going to do? He gives them two words, almost like charades. And here, first word, but I'm going to give you the answer, repent. First thing, You've got to realign your life. If the resurrection is going to really make a difference in your life, there's got to be a repentance. A repent. Now, I know it's one of those words we don't just exactly throw around from day to day in our, in our day uh, today. But here's my definition. Change of values and views within that changes attitudes and actions without. Changing of your attitudes, changing of your, excuse me, of your v- values and your views within that changes your attitudes and behavior or actions without. This is a life change. This is a paradigm shift. This is a new direction. This is getting yourself on a new course for life. Has the resurrection rocked you? Because whenever you think about the word repent, that's exactly what he calls us to in in, in the very next verse. Verse 38 says, And Peter said to them, Repent. Repent. Very simple, very short, very sweet, very concise. What does that mean? It means to change from the old. It means, it means I realize that I'm going down this path and this is not the path that I'm on. In fact, it's realizing, and this may be the wake-up call for some in this room today. But if you stayed on the course that you're on right now, if you continue to make the decisions that you're making right now, if you continue in the relationships that you're in right now, can you project yourself out over the next 10, 15, 20 years? Will it be the life that you want? will be the life that God wants for you? Will you be whole and complete? Or will you be empty and meaningless? See, repentance is this. It's realizing that, hey, the old way is not the way. There is a better way. I want to go that way. I choose this road to go. It's being able to change and make that course correction in your life. I love what John Stott says, before we can begin to see the cross as something we've done for us, we have to see it as something done by us. We've done it. We did it. That's what sent Jesus to the cross. All right, number two, it's also a change to the new. It's a change from the old, it's a change to the new. He even says repent and turn to God, performing deeds, keeping with repentance. There's a dietary industry out there that makes millions of dollars every year. They just come up with a new diet. It's Atkins. Now, you don't even see Atkins hardly anymore. It's uh, the South Beach diet, which just anything with beach in it sounds healthier and funner than funner than anything Atkins diet. So let's go to the beach diet. Then we got, we got uh, what's the Nutrisis? Uh, you buy the plants and you get lasagna and you get brownies and you're supposed to lose all this weight. Just, just buy these meal plans. We have all these tremendous diet plans. And, you know, I'm not saying it's a racket, but it's this close. Okay? The racket is that we buy it. Because psychologists have literally termed something, have come up with a phrase for it, that is called a first order change. That what happens is we going to make a change. And we're gonna this is gonna fix us. And then we try it for a while and then we're off of it. And then the next year there'll be the South Beach diet, or there'll be the the the, the Arctic Circle diet, or whatever the next diet's going to be. Then we'll come out, then we'll jump on that one. First order change. Repentance is deep life change. When the resurrection rocks you, it's not first order that you're just gonna change for a little bit and you're gonna go back to the old. It is life changing. Paradigm changing, its realignment of our life. Have you, has the resurrection, has it rocked you? I like what Dutch Sheets put in the book. Roll away your stone. God wants to roll away your stone as well. He wants you just as free as Jesus has risen. Christ's death and resurrection were for you. God's intent is to so saturate our lives with His life and Spirit that our everyday existence embodies and expresses the victorious, death-conquering resurrection of His Son. Can you say that you're living in the resurrection? Because if you are, there's a realignment. If there's no realignment, you're not living in the resurrection. It hasn't rocked you. The third thing that will happen whenever the resurrection rocks us, we will boldly, boldly identify with the resurrection through baptism. This is not something that we do shamedly. This is not something we do sheepishly. This is not something that we do hesitantly. This is something that when Peter is calling and speaking to the people and they're saying, what are we going to do? personal call to action, a personal call to action kind of question. They said, what are we going to do? He says, what you need to do is you need to repent and you need to be baptized. That's the second word. You need to be baptized. This is not a statement that that means that, you know, you're not saved until you're baptized. But this statement that because I'm saved, because I've repented, I gladly follow the Lord in baptism. It's not something that we do hesitantly. It's something that we do with great excitement and zeal. There was a little boy who, was, who came from a broken home. It wasn't exactly a beautiful situation growing up in Louisville, Kentucky. And, and uh, as he was growing up, uh, a church had this bus ministry that would come by and pick up kids and, and just and parents didn't have to go to church. We'll come by and pick up your kids. We'll bring them right back. Parents loved it. Got rid of the kids for a couple of hours. The kids maybe got, got a little bit better off in life and they were free. And so this little boy, he got on the bus every Sunday. And boy, the messages began to sink into his heart a little bit every week, a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. And then all of a sudden he told the bus driver that he wanted to follow Jesus. And the bus driver pulls over the bus and prays with him right there on the side of the road and prays with him. And this little boy gives his life to Christ. And he tells him, you go home and tell your mom and dad what you've done and, and you know, get their permission so that you can come back next week and tell the pastor that you want to be baptized. Now this boy didn't have a clue what baptism was, what being baptized versus french fried or anything. He had no clue. It was not in his, in his schema of things. So he says, What's baptized? He says, "Well, that's when you stand up in front of people, and there's a lot of people there, and they look at you, and they they're excited for you, and they're excited to see what you're saying in your life, because what you're saying in your life is that I am following Jesus, and you're just telling everybody about it." Well, I want to do that. So he goes home. He comes back there, and he kind of lost the words, got the words all confused. So the next week, when he came back to church, he said to the pastor, "He said, Pastor, he just remembered the concepts, and the concepts sounded like another word that he knew, and he said, Pastor, I want to be advertised." Advertise, baptise. You know, it's pretty close. I want to be advertised. I want the world to know that I'm a follower of Jesus and I'm not ashamed of it. Without hesitation, it's something that I want to do. It's a a public, not a private thing. If you go on and you read on, in in, in verse 38, he tells them to be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for forgiveness of your sins. And you received the gift of the Holy Spirit. But I go down to verse 41. And 3,000. So there, uh, all, uh, there are those who received His Word and were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. What an exciting time. 3,000 people in one day. That's not a private affair. Okay? That takes a little while to do. 3,000 baptisms in one day at one time. Also, it's for believers, not for unbelievers. He said, I want you to repent and then you're baptized. Get your life in line with Christ and then be baptized. He said, there is an order. There's a pecking order. There's some of you in this room today that when you were a child, when you were a youth, you all the kids were going forward. And so you went forward and you got baptized or or, or your parents said, no, it's time for you to be baptized. So let's just go to the baptismal waters. And it's time. It's your time. Then you've grown up in your life and then you've really identified with the resurrection. You've really identified with Christ and you really made a serious commitment to following Christ. But you've never been baptized. My challenge to you is as a believer in Christ, advertise that you've been baptized. Or excuse me, advertise that you've been saved. Let the world know. Let it be one of those, things, those pinnacle moments in your life. It was Pat Summerall who used to be a sports announcer for uh, CBS and did a lot of the cowboy games and always recognized his voice. But he said this when he became a believer. He says, I went down to the water and when I came up, it was like a 40 pound weight had been lifted from me. I have a happier life, a healthy life, a more positive feeling about life than ever before. It's the recognition that I am a follower of Christ and the world knows it and they're going to hold me accountable and they're going to pray for me and we're going to walk through this life together. You know what? When the resurrection rocks you, it's more than putting on pastels and pretty eggs and funny bunnies. I'm afraid most of our, uh, most of our Easter is about pomp and less about impact. When, when the Easter story impacts you, it will cut to your heart. It will change and realign your life. And you'll stand before the world in baptism and in any other day of your life and declare, I am proudly and excitedly a follower of Jesus Christ. That's when the resurrection has rocked you. It sets a new course, a new, a new direction for your life. Would you pray with me? As you bow and you think and you pray and There's some of you in this room today that, again, it's been nothing, nothing but a story in your life. Nothing but a Sunday school lesson that you've, you've heard many times. But it's never rocked you. My question to you today is, are you ready for the resurrection to rock you? Are you willing to be realigned in your actions, in your attitudes, in your values, in your views? Here in a few moments, we're going to have a baptismal service. And if you say, hey, I am following Jesus right now, Mike, this point forward, I'm following you, Jesus. And you're saying, I'm ready to be baptized for, in the name of Jesus Christ. Say, Mike, I didn't bring a change of clothes with me. You know what? Nothing would be beautiful, more beautiful than to go home wet and celebrate that. That advertisement that I am following Christ unashamedly. We're going to have some baptism. It's going to be a beautiful thing. But if you're a follower of Jesus and you have never followed the Lord in baptism, I encourage you to do so as soon as possible. And this is about as soon as you can get. But I would also say this. If you're not ready, I would never want to push anybody there. Because the first thing that must happen is you must believe, you must realign your life to following Him. And we're going to sing a song and we're going to have some Deacons and some of our pastoral team will be kind of up here near the front. David, I'm going to ask that you just kind of come on this side. Brian, why not you hang out over on this side. Leodra's nearby. Daniel's nearby. If you need somebody to pray with, Laurie will be down front. They'll be here. This is your time. Father God, we thank You for this moment. We ask You to do a great work in our hearts and our lives. In Jesus' name.